Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the 235th edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. And a drag route across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. What's up, boys? Uh, watching this midweek matching, um, now that uh, Matt alerted me that it was on, I, for- I always forget about mid- midweek matching. And looks like Kent State is hitting plenty of uh, underneath drags to uh, score 49 points. Yeah, here and we're still in the third quarter, and they're already almost at the at the uh, half century mark. But we can't get started without the third amigo in the second city, a man who takes it upon himself to make his friends more literate. It's our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Matt had his birthday just yesterday, and I, uh, unbeknownst to him, put together a little book club, including Coach. So the three of us might be uh, referring to the Jakarta method at some point once we start reading it. Yeah, you should have got me a coloring book, <laughs> <laughs> Coach. Uh, I'm a little worried you're going to go outside the lines, though. Well, I got to practice somehow, right? <laughs> I suppose. Coach is going to read it to Hawk as a bedtime story. <laughs> <laughs> Hawk's going to turn into a deranged killer. Awesome. <laughs> so, how would All that right, change, back, guys? <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, um, as you guys know, we here at Illegal Motion are brought to you by betonline.ag. The college football season is in full swing, and while you may not be at the game this season, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Josh, the Heisman Trophy odds have been all over the place. Do you know who the favorite is right now as of recording here on uh, November 17th? Well, unfortunately, I didn't know that you are going to pose to me this question, so I actually went on to our friends at Bet Online. AG's website and I was looking at it to see what the current odds were. I didn't know you were going to pose that question to me. So, uh, so I the answer is yes, you be in the hot side. Oh, well, I was saying the answer is you do know coach. Do you know who I it do. is now? Know who it was, who, who is what? Who's a, who is the odds on favorite <laughs> to win the, who, um, uh, who's on second? Uh, no. Uh, who is right who's now? Be, uh, I don't know who's on third. What who is the <laughs> bet online's favorite at the moment to win the Heisman Trophy? I'm gonna go with Kyle Trask. You would be that, correct. He's correct. now yeah. plus 150. We have that was a good guess because I just pulled it up. Uh, <laughs> we have he, he's at plus 150. We basically have four quarterbacks that have uh gone pulled up way in front of the rest of the field Kyle Trask, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, and Trevor Lawrence. Uh, all those guys are plus 325 or better. I think Trevor Lawrence at this point, because of missing a couple of games due to COVID, it has probably dropped down. I still think Justin Fields has a pretty strong chance. Mac I'm Jones. Go ahead and get in at plus 250. Yeah, Mac Jones. Uh, you know, it, if Alabama remains undefeated, he keeps putting up big numbers. He's got a shot. St- don't count out Zach Wilson, though. BYU runs the table. I mean, stranger things have happened, my friends. So 
no matter who your choice is for the Heisman Trophy, from game spreads to totals, team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else online. Plus, there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head on over to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Gentlemen. You know, if you were a Trask supporter at the beginning of the year and and got in before he had his hot streak, you'd be loving it because the Florida schedule is a joke. Vandy, Kentucky, Tennessee, LSU, uh, both games are in the state of Tennessee against Vandy and the Vols. Four games he can put up killer numbers. And then let's say Florida pulls off the upset against Alabama in the SEC title game. I I mean, there it is. Signs he'll deliver. The Heisman's going to go to Kyle Trask. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, you know, we'll be talking about, uh, I think, that that Vanderbilt game in our next episode, uh, episode 236, when we preview next weekend. But before we get there, we got to hop back to week 11 and talk about everything that happened over the past weekend, and we will start in the Big Ten. Uh, and we're starting with Wisconsin because I am the... Uh, I, I produce these shows and I get to write the rundowns and <laughs> I'm a Wisconsin alum. So, uh, and Wisconsin hadn't played football in three weeks. And oh, I just, need... I, I thought we were going with the Illinois over Rutgers game, but you know okay. what? Well, uh, our, one of our, uh, one of our biggest fan, fans out there, uh, Dr. Fred was, uh, you know, pretty perturbed by the news that Rutgers blew a 10 point lead in the second half against the Illini. Uh, so we, we don't have to get into that one too much. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. But uh, Wisconsin, though, yeah, uh, went into the big house. And uh, I don't know if this is the proper terminology, Josh. I, I-, I believe uh, it's called uh, they bitch slapped Michigan. <laughs> oh, that's all right. Um, It's what they did. I, I, I would have called it a good old fashioned thumping, but uh yeah, if you want to woodshed ass whipping. Yeah, if you um, wanna, unfortunately, you know, Matt. The uh, story let's, of the game let, was, let's just look at some of the numbers here, Josh. Before we really get into the breakdown, total yards: Wisconsin four hundred sixty-eight, Michigan two hundred nineteen. Mm. Uh, rushing yards: Wisconsin three hundred forty-one, Michigan forty-seven. Mm. Uh, turnovers: Michigan two, Wisconsin zero. Uh, and the the ultimate. Uh, the ultimate Wisconsining time of possession, Wisconsin, 40 minutes and 15 seconds, Michigan, 19 minutes and 45 seconds. Matt, you're forgetting the most important stat. The, the final score, 49 to 11. Uh, no, uh, 12 inches on, uh, on Jim Harbaugh's face boner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, uh, he needs some help on how to wear a mask to say the least. He needs help on more than just how to wear a mask. He needs some coaching help right now because their offense is a lot He's more so- fla- is, is a lot more flaccid than what we saw in his face. <laughs> <laughs> I love what I started. No, he's uh he's so checked out right now. It, it's it's so obvious. On top of that, I mean, let's say even if he was working as hard as possible and he wasn't checked out, Michigan's problems are a vicious cycle of it starts with a terrible back end of their defense and i know they're young back there maybe those players will redeem themselves later in their career but 
you know, they're just getting shelled. They're out of position. They're not tackling very well. So their secondary is getting shredded, and their front seven really isn't doing much to help, you know. Uh, they've gone games without sacks. Um, Mertz, like, his jersey was spotless, it seemed like. So Michigan's defense is a sieve, and what that's doing is putting Michigan in huge holes so then they can't be balanced. And we saw that again. Charbonnet, who is, by all accounts, their best running back and the guy you would expect to have, you know, 10, 15 carries, he was held to three because they were down the whole time. And, yeah, I mean, Milton didn't help out by having those two interceptions. At one point, he was 0 for 2 with two picks. So, you know, he didn't help that much. But to be fair, even if Michigan had gone traditional three and outs, Wisconsin was going to march right down the field. He was pressing it early because he knew that they didn't stand a chance because their defense was terrible. So it's, it's a vicious cycle compounded by what Coach said. Harbaugh is done the the marriage is over he is going to be in the nfl very very soon and at this point all that's left to really do is do a post-mortem on why it didn't work and for me the the first reason is harbaugh's blind devotion to assistants that frankly didn't get the job done and i know this is gaddis's first year at offensive coordinator So I won't say that he can't get the job done, but the previous offensive coordinating staffs weren't doing the job. And Don Brown has been awful now in big games for multiple years. Don Brown should have been fired probably two years ago. And it's almost like the game is really just like passing him by and and, then people have adjusted to his style of defense and he hasn't really adjusted back. And and he's kind of staring at the chessboard going, okay, what's my next move here? And, and uh, you know Josh Gaddis, I think is just a, a you know, I think he's just in a bad situation right now. I mean, they've had some poor recruiting, they've had some some evaluation misses and things like that. I mean, Joe Milton has looked terrible uh, since that Minnesota game, and you know the the game planning, you know, it gets really tough to call plays when you don't have a quarterback. You know, I I, uh, I can only imagine what what it's like for Todd Monken to to try to call plays without a quarterback in that Florida game, and and so. You're really kind of limited. That play sheet really shrinks, and so, you know, I don't think we'll really ever get a true um, read on Josh Gaddis this year. But I do think there's some talent there as far as his coordinating skills. But I, you know, it's just such a crazy situation, and, and Michigan is such a mess right now. Um, I, I think it might be beyond repair. I think you just need to gut it and start over. To be honest. Yeah, it, it's not looking good over there in Ann Arbor. On the flip side, though, guys, uh, Wisconsin's defense is, an, again, a force to be reckoned with. We saw uh, Scott Nelson, actually, who missed nearly all of last season with an ACL injury, uh, come on in, and all he did in his first three snaps of the game uh, intercept Joe Milton. Joe Milton threw interceptions on his first two passes. That was fun. Um, and have a tackle <laughs> for a loss. And the Michigan native, who wasn't even recruited by Michigan, uh, was maybe the best player in the game on either team. 
So, you know, I'll give a shout. I'll give a shout out to Nick Herbig too, the true freshman out of Honolulu, Hawaii. Oh, he is a, he is an animal. He's an awesome, awesome guy too. He he's, he's a beast. He had five tackles, three tackles for a loss in this one. And if, you know, if, if their defense keeps playing like this, even without, they were without uh, starters, Garrett Rand, Isaiah and Isaiah Green may, um, on the defensive line and at the outside linebacker position, um, you know, as well as some other key reserves. And they were still able to completely shut down this Michigan team. We all know that Jim Leonard is a good coordinator. He is making a case that he might be one of, if not the best defensive coordinator in all of college football, Coach. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's incredible to see. I mean, it just, you know, the – what they were doing to Michigan defensively was just, it was like a clinic, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, it was. And and Nelson, I just felt like he was, I just felt like he was cloned because he was everywhere. And, you know, that front, the, the, the front four were getting after it. The linebackers were getting after it. I mean, they, Michigan just, they were, their heads were spinning. They couldn't do anything. It was 28-0 before they could even realize what had hit them before they even started to, figure out something on offense. I mean, it was, I mean, Jim Leonard just absolutely curb stomped John Harbaugh in that game. I mean, just completely outdueled him, completely outdueled Josh Gaddis, completely just said, hey, we're Wisconsin. We're here to kick your ass and go home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And- Matt, I got, I got something poetic that I think you'll appreciate. As my uh, radiator, it is the season here in Chicago to have our radiators be popping. Um, Matt, here's something. This is very poetic, and I think you'll appreciate it. Um, replacing Barry Alvarez, legendary coach at Wisconsin, was Rabilama. A legend in, a legend in his own mind. Yeah, and a legendary coach in his own mind who was an alma mater of what school? The University of Iowa. So for Iowa to replace a living legend in Kirk Ferentz, go with a Wisconsin alum. (laughs) If they poach Jimmy Leonard (laughs) to be the head coach at the University of Iowa, A, like Jimmy Leonard is one of my three favorite Badger players of all time. Of all time. He was, uh, you know, he was there. Jim Sorge's number one, right? Uh, no, it's John Stocko. John Stocko, number one for, for his quarterback sneak against Michigan. And then number two was uh, P.J. Hill. <laughs> no, P.J. Hill was the worst tailback that they, the, P.J. Hill, Hill was like, you know, good for P.J. Hill for being P.J. Hill. P.J. Hill was the worst starting tailback Wisconsin has had in the last 20 years. <laughs> and yet he was your second favorite player. No, Brian Calhoun, actually. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Brian Calhoun, criminally underrated tailback. But I, uh, yeah, so I, I, I digress. Anyway, Wisconsin was absolutely masterful. They're playing Northwestern this weekend. That should be. In, in- you didn't finish that thought, Matt. You said if Iowa was able to poach Jimmy Leonard, dot, dot, dot. If I was able to poach Jimmy Leonard, part of me would have to excommunicate him. And part of me might consider becoming an Iowa fan. Mm, all right. Well, okay. the rumor mill has started. 
But you know Iowa is going to get rid of Kirk Ferentz and just promote Brian. <laughs> sure they are. Keep keeping the family. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, elsewhere in the Big Ten, it, it actually got off to a, a fun start to the weekend, at least for Hawkeye fans, Josh, because <laughs> the Hawkeyes for the second week in a row had a bit of an offensive explosion and beat the Minnesota Minnesota Golden Goofs 35 to 7 <laughs> in an absolute laugher. Well, that's why I, I mean, let's Brian Ferentz. Let's uh let's tap the brakes just a little bit. This is where look at the box score is better than looking at just the final score because yeah, 35 to 7 makes it look like a drubbing. Except uh it was 14 nothing at halftime. 14 nothing after three quarters and then iowa had a big explosion in the fourth um they ran the ball extremely well because minnesota has the worst rush defense in the big 10 and um i think it was quite clear that after the game in which iowa attempted over 50 passes kirk ferentz said well i'm not very happy with that type of play calling so i think dad leaned on son to start running the dang ball a little bit, um, and it worked against Minnesota. But yet again, we see just drives not really produce anything. Opening drive of the game, another punt. The opening script doesn't really work. Uh, and then Iowa throws an interception a little later, and then they, well, botched their two-minute drill, not even their two-minute drill, their, like, 30-second drill uh, at the end of the first half and settled for a long field goal that was then uh, missed. Wasn't even that long of a field goal. Um, it would have been a more doable field goal if, uh, well, they hadn't lost yards on their drive. They had a negative six-yard drive, so that was awesome. Uh, yeah, they exploded for some touchdowns there in the fourth quarter, but it was really not ever as flawless as you would think there's still offensive issues over there um the hawkeyes have penn state next uh which i'm sure we'll talk about shortly because penn state is winless then they have nebraska next those two games are toss-ups because you don't know what i was going to get and they have illinois which should be a win and then with Wisconsin's defense versus Brian Ferentz, uh, I'm not giving the Hawks too many chances. Uh, I think if Iowa can somehow hang 10 points in that game, that would be impressive. So oh, Iowa's right. not out of the woods yet. No, they, they the are least. not. Um, one team that is, you know, not out of the woods yet, but had a one heck of an impressive start to the season, Coach, is the Indiana Hoosiers. They beat the Michigan State Spartans 24-0 to really just make the entire weekend miserable for our friends in the state of Michigan. Yes. I I, w I watched this game for a little while and then got bored, actually, because it was just <laughs> so one-sided, man. It was Indiana was just having their way. I mean, it, you know, they got off to a kind of a rocky start, which – you know, anytime you start a game, you know, it, most noon games get off to rocky starts and slow starts, I should say. Not really rocky, but but slow. But uh, Michael Penix just was dialed in, you know, obviously 25 of 38, 320 and two touchdowns. Uh, dialed in all day long. Indiana just, they just did whatever they wanted to uh, against Michigan State. Michigan State really had no answers. They really couldn't do anything about it. 
And it was just, you know, the the score, the fact that it was only 24 to nothing um, probably tells you that Indiana probably got bored too. And uh, they just, you know, cruised this, this whole game and, you know, What's going on with Michigan State, man? It's it's brutal up there. I mean, they're not the only club in, in they're not the only team in America that has a brand new coach. And uh some teams that have brand new coaches do not look this bad. So something something's going on at Michigan State. And, I think uh, the thing that's going on is D'Antonio left that cupboard bare. Um they they don't have a good enough offensive line to run the ball. Another long day running the ball 24 carries as a team for just 60 yards the leading rusher with just 27 yards uh i love this their quarterback who then came in they changed quarterbacks had uh eight carries for 25 yards but his long was 38 (laughs) so it shows you shows you the other rushes uh would be i believe of the sack variety and then their quarterback situation just it's a mess. You know, they they went with uh, Rocky Lombardi to start the year. He has just been an interception machine. Uh, he went three of seven, 21 yards and two picks. Um, his leg hasn't looked right the last few games. I think he's trying to grit through an injury. Um, obviously, against Rutgers, he also had interception issues. So uh, there's something going on there. And then when they brought in Peyton Thorne, he wasn't much better. 10 of 20 for 110 yards and a pick. That's not going to get done against anybody, let alone a good team like Indiana. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, The one other team that we need to talk about from the Big Ten guys, though, is Northwestern. They are the other undefeated outside of, obviously, Wisconsin, Indiana, and Ohio State. Uh, They beat up on Purdue in the in their game well i shouldn't say they they necessarily beat up on Purdue, but they were able to come away with a win 27 to 20 hold on for the win and josh i, I don't know about you but you know I, i'm starting to think that northwestern might be for real again uh, they are for real in that they are doing their best cardiac cat impersonation of their mid nineties teams that pulled games out of their butt. Cause uh, they should not have won the Iowa game. First and foremost, I know Iowa screwed that up. Uh, they beat Nebraska one possession game, beat Purdue one possession game. Um, other than the Maryland game, they've been in nail biters all the way. So uh, yeah, I mean, good for them for being four and oh, their offense is much improved over a year ago. Although Purdue did hold them under 300 yards but the, the the thing that is, I guess, what is most impressive about Northwestern for me is their defense. Um, with Pat Fitzgerald being a defensive wonderkin as a player and really good on that side of the ball, you sort of feel like when Northwestern can just have some coherence on offense, they're going to hang in games. And last year, their offense was downright dreadful and said it before. Fitzgerald blew up the side of the ball, brings in a lot of new coaches and included an offensive coordinator. You also get the grad transfer, Peyton Ramsey from Indiana. You see right away, they're getting coherent play from their offense. And then their defense is doing, 
frankly, what you would expect a Northwestern defense to do. They held an explosive Purdue team to just 265 yards. Uh, they made Purdue quite one-dimensional because of those 265 yards, uh, two of them came on the ground, exactly two, on 17 carries. So, um, you know, will Northwestern push Wisconsin at all? Mm, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, but they can certainly beat Michigan State. They can certainly beat Minnesota, and they can certainly beat Illinois. And coming off of, I think last year they were 4-8 and eight or 3-9, and nine, somewhere around there. To suddenly have a seven and one season and a second place finish in the division, that's a remarkable turnaround. Absolutely, it is. Absolutely, it is. Let's head over to the ACC coach, where Notre Dame was able to avoid a uh, you know a, a hangover after their big win over Clemson, and you know look. Pretty good, honestly, against Boston College, especially there in the first half, pulling out yeah. to a 31-16 to lead by halftime. Ian Book, I think, played his most complete game of the season. Three scores through the air, another one on the ground. Coach, how have you seen Book mature in the couple of years we've seen him now as a starter? Well, I think he's just taken the aspects of the of the game that he's you know needed to improve on, and he's improved on them. I, I think he's just become a complete player. I think he's realized that um, he can get it done running. He can get it done in the pocket. He can, you know, just working on all facets of the game. It, it shows that his film study is obviously uh, paying off. I feel like he's doing more of it now and he's just, and he's becoming a leader too. I mean, he's taken, you know, he's taken the team on his back in, in a lot of, in a lot of senses and, or a lot of instances, I should say. And, uh, you know, really just, being that leader that he's needed to be the past few seasons and, and he's getting it done by example. He's probably being more of a vocal leader leader as well. And, you know, I think just overall um, development of his game is, is really, you know, has really been the biggest thing is that, that I've noticed. I mean, he's been more polished as a passer. His tech, his mechanics are a lot cleaner and smoother and it looks like he's got a little bit faster. He's, he's a lot leaner than he, than he has been uh, before it is added some muscle mass as well. So, I'm just overall uh, improvement of his game. Yeah, I, I think that he has just matured a lot as a. Um, I'll tell you another thing that's helping him. What's that? The big uglies in front of him. He's been sacked uh, 13 times this year. I mean, in the past, he's been sacked way more than that. 18 times just a few seasons ago. So uh, I think the, you know, his sack rate has gone up a little bit because he's passing way more. But if you were to break it down and do like sacks per attempt, um, he's actually doing a lot better. So um, I, I think his offensive line is getting a whole heck of a lot better. I, I think it is, too. I mean, Notre Dame's had a lot of really good offensive lines over the past couple seasons um, and over the past decade, quite frankly. They've done a really good job of not just recruiting good offensive linemen, but developing a, a lot of guys who have done really well, not just at the collegiate level, but the next level as well. You think of someone like Mike McGlinchey, uh, their former left tackle. I mean, they have a lot of really really uh, strong ones the guy who at the ravens whose name i'm completely blanking on um <laughs> it happens well i mean he just signed like the one of the biggest contract 
contracts in history for well, it's not a, Marshall Yonda because he's retired and a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, and he also went to Iowa. And he's from my dad's hometown, Anamosa. <laughs> Anamosa. Uh, no, Which would I'm, have made him a uh, Blue Raider. Ronnie Stanley is who I'm thinking of. Ronnie Stanley. Um, there we go. I See, I got your back, man. I, I vamped on Marshall Yonda so you could Google it real quick. I actually didn't have to Google it. I just had to pull it out of the recesses of, of, of my offensive lineman brain. Um, <laughs> elsewhere, though, uh, you know, I, I think that Boston College has, quite frankly, uh, acquitted themselves very nicely. Um. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I, I got a lot riding on them after saying Jerkovich might become their best quarterback since Doug Flutie. So, <laughs> yeah, you got you got some definite skin in this game. Um, I stand Josh. by it. He's still young. He's still young. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think Boston College played quite nicely. They just, I, you know, Notre Dame said, "Okay, we'll we'll see your we'll see your nice little performance, and we'll raise you. We'll double you up, man." And, and it, it's. Just uh, that was one of those games where Boston College at times played well enough to win and played well enough to hang with them, but Notre Dame just said, "Nah, we're just gonna we're just gonna beat you," and so they did. Awesome. Um, well, let's then head over uh, to the other big game in the ACC, uh, at, at least sort of rankings wise in many ways. Miami versus Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech was coming off of a loss to Liberty, but somehow was still the favorite in this one. Miami came in, nearly didn't have enough players to play in this one, but they were able to uh take the field and Derek King was able to work a little bit of his magic. He not had the best game for him personally necessarily but he was able to get it done with 255 yards through the air um, and another 15 in a score on the ground but he needed 18 carries to get those 15 yards which tells you he got sacked a lot but Miami was able to six pull, sacks yeah yeah pull it out uh mm-hmm. on the other on the on the flip side uh Hendon Hooker for Virginia Tech he is you know he's exciting but he definitely makes some errors that have got to make hokey fans just put their put their head in their hands and just and just shake it because he made a couple throws he only had one pick but he had four or five throws in this game that should have been picked coach yeah no doubt and you know he was definitely a roller coaster watching this game you know Hendon Hooker was great at times and left you scratching your head at others and and those throws were one of the main culprits and, and especially the interception uh, that, was, that was a pretty bad interception, but you know Miami had chances to put them away and they didn't. You know, if we want to look at the flip side of things, so this game was equally frustrating for both sides, and and it was just one of those games where that's how Virginia Tech has to win right now because you know they they don't have their you know what figured out, so um, you know they have to kind of create chaos and and they can win in a chaotic environment, um, but uh, you know obviously Miami said nah. No, we're, we're, we're good. We're, we're going to go ahead and win this game. Um, but, uh, you know, it just goes to show you that, you know, they just don't have the the finishing touches. And, you know, they go uh, – there was – I think there was one fourth down, if I remember correctly, or maybe I dreamt this. I don't know. Um, where they had, like, fourth and inches. They got in the shotgun, and the center snapped it past Hendon Hooker, and they lost, like, 12 yards on fourth <laughs> and inches um, to give Miami the ball at like, midfield. I, I may have dreamed that. I'm not sure. I think but. you did. I don't see a turnover on downs on the, uh, the stat sheet. But what I do see is a uh, little bit of a problem in that uh, Hendon Hooker 
led the team with 21 rushing carries. Uh, they had 41 as a team, but why is 21 of them going to your quarterback? And, <laughs> and he's your only player. Well, that's the problem because Virginia Tech had leads in this game. They were up 14-3 at one point. Then they were up uh, 24-13 at another point. But I was looking at some of their drives as the game was slipping away from them on a eight-play, 37-yard drive that ended with a punt. Uh, they, on their first down play, they do a run, slams right into a brick wall, one yard. Well, then they're behind the chains on second and nine. Pass for three yards, and then third and six, handed hooker, scramble, loss of one. Okay, well, all right, well, then let's reset. Uh, they forced Miami to punt while still up 24-19. Good for them. Vatek has a three and out. Incomplete pass, then they try and get yards made up. A good running play, five yards, and then incomplete. Well, you know, why do they make that those play calls? Probably because on their previous drive, their first and 10 running play hit a stone wall and didn't work. Uh, then when they're down 25, 24, you have a five yard or five play, five yard drive, which I love uh, that ended with a punt. And in this one as well, uh, they had a nice run, but then it breaks down a sack an incomplete pass and a run for loss. And then they punt. If you have a more reliable running game, you're not worrying about doing so many passes and having your quarterback scramble around to lose yards or get sacked. You just do the Woody Hayes three yards and a cloud of dust and bleed the clock while keeping the ball and you don't choke away a second half lead. I mean, they have, I mean, you know, this running back number zero, I'm watching these highlights again, and you know, they do have some talent sprinkled in uh, amongst the offensive unit. They just don't have a, it just doesn't seem like they have a consistent flow of play calling. It just seems like, they're get, they they have a very high school style of calling plays. We got Hinton Hooker, so let's just let's just give Miami a heavy dose of Hinton Hooker and, and and hope we can get something. And you know, in high school that works. You know, you have your best athlete at quarterback and you just call quarterback run, quarterback run, pass, pass, quarterback run, quarterback run, pass. You know, sprint out, hope he scrambles, you know, things like that. And and you rely on that guy and, and you over rely on that guy to the point where we don't even know if anybody else exists on that on that field uh, for for the squad in Virginia Tech. It seemed like watching this game had that game plan. Yeah, and I don't know. This Virginia Tech team is just all out of sorts to me. We liked the Justin Fuente hire originally, and I don't know entirely what's gone wrong there. You know, maybe it's the fact that, you know, they don't have Bud Foster there anymore. Maybe it's the fact that it's just a, you know, it, it's not always been the easiest place to recruit to necessarily, but there is a lot of talent within the state of Virginia. Maybe the fact that they've just been lapped by other schools within, um, um, uh, by, you know, m maybe it's just the fact that they have been lapped by other schools in the conference, but I don't know. Like, it's just, uh, it, you know, it, it's not looking good for them. And I'm not sure if Fuente is long well, for the position. Well, I thought it was a weird marriage from the beginning when they didn't even let him 
remake his own staff. At, yeah, Bud Foster's a legend, and who knows? Maybe Fuente keeps him on staff, but that was a non-negotiable thing. To get the job, he had to keep Bud Foster on. Well, that's kind of setting up right away. Hey, we want you to be our coach, but yeah, we don't really trust you to be the CEO of the program. It, it's just weird. I Those yeah. arrangements really don't ever make sense to me. And if you and like I'll, Bud Foster that much, just give him the freaking job. He's been a legend. Maybe it works out. Maybe it doesn't. I just I don't think it's been I think it's been mismanaged by both sides. I, I think there's been some lazy recruiting, thinking, "Hey, we're Virginia Tech. We have a brand now," uh, which I mean, 30 years ago they didn't, but now they actually have some uh, some sort of tradition to hang their hat on. And they, I think they've kind of gotten lazy with it with the recruiting wise. I, I think that. Uh, he's had a couple of hires, especially at coordinator spots, that have not worked out. Uh, especially his replacement for Justin for for uh, Bud Foster just has not worked out. And um, you know, like recruiting, like like player personnel, when when you evaluate and make hires on your staff, those things can blow up in your face as well. You know, guys that you hire as coordinators that aren't great coordinators. Lane Kiffin down at Ole Miss, he hired DJ Durkin. Thinking, okay, you know he's got some he's got some coaching talent, but DJ Durkin as any sort of leadership position is, is not a great idea. Whoever Virginia Tech's uh, defense coordinator is, probably not a great idea to be an ACC defensive coordinator yet. I mean, maybe eventually he'll be ready, but it just seems like not right now. Their defense looks awful. Offensively, they're they seem to be disjointed. Like I said moments ago, they they seem to be just relying on on Hendon Hooker, and and uh, they've kind of just settled in on that and said, hey, we got Hendon Hooker. That's really all we need. Uh, let's just recruit some, you know, let's just see who we sign at the other positions, and we'll try to make them work. And that's just not that's just not a good way to go. That's just not a good way to go about it when you're recruiting, especially when you're coaching for your job. So I think, you know, is Justin Fuente a bad coach? No. No, I mean, no. He did, he did well at Memphis. Is he in a bad situation? Is he in a is he in a bad fit for himself? Yeah, I would probably say so. Yeah, I don't. I I think the fit was always a little bit questionable there. And yeah. you know, j- just for him, you know, obviously he also had to follow a legend, right? He had he had to follow Frank Beamer, and that's never going to be easy. No, no, I mean, you know, I, I think that's hard enough as it is. So, you know, you gotta you know take that for what it's worth. For sure. Um, okay, well, let's head over then to the SEC. Whoa, uh, there's a few things I want to fly through with the ACC. Oh, I, I, okay, I, I'm sorry. You're right. We, 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 there, there was a game that had over 100 points in the there's ACC. There's a basketball game. <laughs> Sam Howell, 550 yards, six touchdowns, one interception. Uh, the Tar Heels play some fun games of football. <laughs> Whether they're winning or losing, they're having... Those crazy comebacks and stuff that caught my eye. Uh, how about NC State working Florida State quietly, moving up to five and three on the season? Uh, they get Liberty next. Uh, it's weird to say, but they could knock off a ranked opponent, and then they end with the two struggling clubs, Syracuse and George uh, Tech. I don't know why I almost said Georgetown, but uh, Georgia Tech. So good chance for seven wins for Dave Doran's team. They looked pretty shaky at times uh, last year. Nice turnaround season. And then I know they're still under 500, but uh, Virginia started out one and four with their one win over Duke. 
they are replacing a ton of players, including Matt's relative, uh, Mr. Perkins, who was one heck of a quarterback. Oh, yeah. They've won two in a row now, including beating NC State, uh, dominated Louisville. They've got uh, Abilene Christian next, so you figure they'll get to four and four. And then they end at Florida State, who's been all sorts of awful this year. Boston College, who has been quite impressive at times this year. And then at Virginia Tech, a team we just diagnosed as having a couple issues. So uh, how do the Who's end up? That also caught my eye. I did not expect them to uh, really dominate uh, Louisville the way that they did. Yeah, yeah, that was uh that was a lot. Thank you for uh for jumping through all of those for us. Just it was a wild weekend there in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Um uh for the record, Pitt and Georgia Tech were postponed, which uh kind of feels about right. <laughs> <laughs> um it should have been. Is uh, are we about to see a one and done situation in Florida State? No. I don't think so. Um, do you, do you think Norvell just inherited such a dumpster fire that? Yeah. 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 I think, I, I, think I, I think Taggart just like left so much damage at that school. It, it was, it was bad, man. It, it was real bad. So anyhow, um, let's then head over to the other conference in the uh, Southeastern part portion of the United States. The SEC. USA. Oh, SEC. <laughs> uh, what uh sunbelt no um sec uh we'll start with the uh you know we talked about kyle trask earlier we'll go back to him now all oh, we're, he not, did, we're not starting with moss champ getting oh well, we have <laughs> quote to leave, unquote mutually leaving we have to leave that as the cherry on top my friends uh <laughs> let's start with kyle trask uh coach you're an offensive coordinator tell me if you like uh-huh. these num- tell me if you like these numbers 20 for yeah. 29 356 yards Six touchdowns and no picks. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I like those numbers. Those sound good. Yeah, uh-huh. they are. Uh, you're not going to get a whole lot better than that. Uh-uh. That's twelve point three yards per attempt. That's stupid. And in, in this game, honestly, Felipe Franks, the former Florida quarterback, acquitted himself pretty well too. 15 and 19, 250 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. But I mean, this was again, this is one that was a massive, massive uh offensive slugfest. And well, I shouldn't even say slugfest. It was just they were airing it out left and right. And well, that's why in a losing effort, Arkansas fans should still feel like this was not a oh my god we finally got exposed the rebuilds terrible you know we suck they played really well against a top 10 team with a Heisman trophy candidate most likely and uh really clearly one of the favorites now in the race he's leading the way as we said at the top of the show and arkansas still put up 458 yards a really nice running day 208 rushing yards on a six and a half yard per attempt. Um, that was really impressive. I know Florida's defense is not their strength, but, you know, 35 points in a top 10 opponent is nothing to scoff at. Um, yeah, Arkansas's defense no showed, but 
there was a lot of fight on that team. And at one point they cut it to a 14 point game in the second half. And you thought, okay, maybe the Hoosier or maybe the hogs are getting back into it. But, uh, I, I was impressed by Arkansas still having some fight there, uh, despite being down handily at halftime. Yeah. I mean, they played a physical ball game. Um, and I, I thought they started well. Uh, the second quarter was was a bit of a uh, yeah. bit of a struggle, but went a little sideways there. <clears throat> yeah, I got a little sideways on them, but you know, teams tend to get a little sideways with uh, with Florida. They're they're that explosive now, and so. Um, Scariest yeah, thing about that, real, though, man. Coach, is that they did that without Kyle Pitts. <clears throat> they did. It, that that is very scary, and, and it's going to be, you know, obviously the 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 dog fandom in me hopes they lose two games here down the stretch, and Georgia gets back in the driver's seat in the East. But Corey, I love you, but that's not going to happen. No, it it won't. Um, so you know, it's going to be an exciting uh, if we get to play it. The SEC championship is going to be fun to watch with Alabama versus Florida, two explosive offenses. So I'm excited to see it. Um, and it's impressive and. I think Arkansas is for real, too. Yeah, I mean, Arkansas, I mean, Sam Pittman, I think, even despite the three and four record, I think Sam Pittman is running away with not just conference coach of the year, but, you know, I I think it's going to come down to him and Kalani Sataki for national coach of the year with uh, a a little little love uh, being thrown the way of our guy up there at Cincinnati, Luke Fickle. Yeah, I think either one of those three would be would be a home run uh, for coach of the year. I, I think you got to take in consideration that what Arkansas was, they lost twenty conference games in a row, um, and to be where they are um, it is quite impressive. But then again, Luke I'll Fickle throw a curveball his- at you though. I got to be honest. If Paul Christ goes undefeated and beats Ohio State in the title game and navigates a twenty-one day covid delay and the team came out as like mid-season form as possible against michigan that is damn impressive and i think the one of the obviously we could look at would be tom allen then too if indiana is able to keep it up yeah indiana though unfortunately still has ohio state and wisconsin on their schedule yeah they, they they're running into a buzzsaw this weekend at ohio state we'll be talking about that on our next I'm not episode. gonna lie i hope they split those games and I think you can guess which one you think I hope they win. Uh, I, I certainly hope that the one that they win is Ohio State. So yeah. <laughs> I would not mind that in the least because uh, that would set up a uh, more than likely a, uh, a rematch in the Big Ten title game between Ooh. the Badgers and the Hoosiers. Well, Maryland's technically still uh, in it. They didn't lose to Ohio State. That's true. That's true. Um, I don't think anyone else in the East is in it. No. No, no, definitely not. Um, okay, guys. Well, then, then we have to talk about Ole Miss in South Carolina. Uh, oh, I thought we were going to talk about Vanderbilt almost winning a game. You know what? Vanderbilt had their best uh, output of the season offensively, 35 points. is the first time they topped 21 all year. Ken Seals continues to get better and better every single week for the Commodores. Also, Keon Henry Brooks, the tailback, is a true true offensive weapon don't call him a tailback he's just as good as a of a receiver as he is tailback and he's got that body type he's like that 6-1 and kind of long and lanky um everyone in the Vanderbilt uniform though seems to look a lot more boxy than they are in real life not really sure why however Kenny Seals the true freshman from Texas 
I was skeptical, very skeptical at the beginning of the season. I'm starting to buy in. I like the way that they're using Mike Wright. We're going to continue on, though, to South Carolina Ole Miss, where the star of the game was Lane Kiffin's clipboard. <laughs> Tell me you've seen the highlight. Yeah, Tell me you've seen the highlight. Uh, and Clipboard goes flying. Kiffin goes sprinting. It was beautiful. It was so beautiful. Almost as beautiful as the stats of Matt Coral. Yeah, he he, uh, he had a rough day, didn't he? Yeah, 30, 28 for 32, 513 yards and four scores. Yeah, terrible day. They should, yeah, Lane Kiffin should be fired and he should be benched. Do what's really but, helpful. I yeah. have, uh, I play college fantasy. I have yeah. Jerry and Ely and Elijah Moore. Yeah, you should just quit hmm. your team. I'm number I'm number one in my league by leaps and bounds. Well, you know who you can't blame for the South Carolina loss? Uh, Will Muschamp because he's fired now. No, I was going to say Kevin Harris, their running back, 25 carries, 243 yards, <laughs> That's and five touchdowns. True. That's also that is Ole Miss D in a nutshell. The yeah. lone, the lone bright spot. I don't know if it's a lone bright spot. Quarterback Colin Hill had a nice game. Shai Smith is still good. Colin Hill had an okay game. Shai Smith is still a good receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. defensively, yeah, not pretty. Well, that's how Muschamp yeah. made his name as being a defensive coach. So when the defense starts to collapse, what's the point of of keeping him on? And obviously, uh, a downward trajectory. Twenty seventeen, they won nine games. Looked like it turned the tide, but then seven wins in twenty eighteen, four wins a year ago, and then two and five. Uh, I got a quote for you guys. This is not me uh, making it up and, and attributing a quote that didn't exist. This is a real quote that Steve Spurrier gave. Um, he told Mike Galupsi of ABC Columbia in South Carolina. Uh, you can find the quote. I'm looking at SaturdayDownSouth.com. So this is not me doing doing a bit. This was Steve Spurrier's real quote. Well, he's not going away empty-pocketed. He knows how to get... Big contracts, I'll tell you that. <laughs> old Spurrier. The old ball coach is just, he's still a quote machine. Yeah. God, I love he's been, it. He's uh, been out of coaching for four years and he's a quote machine. Um, <laughs> now, here's what went wrong for Will Muschamp in his tenure, both at Florida and South Carolina. He's not um, a very good coach? No, he just recruits one side of the ball. And he focuses on one side of the ball. And... Um, I mean that, that, even, that that's evident with having to start Colin Hill at quarterback this year. Yeah, I mean, you know, you have to rely on Mike Bobo coming in as offensive mm-hmm. coordinator to finally get some sort of jolt in the offensive side of the ball. Then you know he had some NFL guys that went on to the NFL, and he had he just didn't recruit well enough. Um, you know, I, I think that people saw the writing on the wall with that, and I think he lost out on some recruits that he would normally get um, earlier in his tenure, and so that killed him. And you know, I, I think he, I think deep down inside, he just wants to focus on defense. And I think he's, you know, I think if you talk to Will, I mean, obviously he's probably disappointed, but um, I think part of him is relieved that now um, he's going to field a lot of calls for defensive coordinator jobs. I mean, well, that's a fancy know. way of what I said. <laughs> Yeah. Some guys just aren't meant to be the head coach, you know? Yeah. You know, there's no shame in it. He's had two 
two bites at the apple and uh 28 and 21 at florida just barely over 500 in conference play 17 and 15 and then south carolina a little under 500 28 and 30 17 and 22 overall i mean uh yeah. four full seasons at florida four full seasons at south carolina and then seven games of this year that's a big enough sample size i i It'd yeah. be hard pressed for an athletic director, even at a mid major, to bring him in. Guys, yeah, guys, do you want to do some reckless speculation? Sure, it's my favorite. Well, kind. champ to Iowa. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> who's the next? Who's the next head coach? <laughs> if you've been seeing Car- Iowa's defense this year, we have no problem on defense. <laughs> uh, who's the next head coach at South Carolina? Uh, Mike Bobo. I got a name. Well, he he's the interim, obviously. Ha ha ha. You're so he, he is the next. Ha ha ha. Who is the next full time head coach Brian at Iowa? <laughs> Brian Ferentz. <laughs> you wish. You wish. I. I Dave I've Lanning. Got, I, I've got a name. I've got a name. It ain't Hugh Freeze. He ain't going to South Carolina. Freezes ain't going to South Carolina. No. Mm-mm. He's okay. going to Auburn. Auburn's going to yeah, pull. He's going to Auburn Gus. for sure. You know, in classic standpoint, everyone's ready to fire Gus Malzahn and watch them win a ridiculous Iron Bowl. Yeah, watch Auburn run the table. <laughs> that would be awesome. It would be. It would be. Um, I've got. I, I've got two names at the top of my list. If I am South Carolina, you should Play be able to name us. both of them. Uh, Skip Holtz. Huh. No. Um. Are you thinking so, like one of them? F- one of them already resides within the state. Well, I was gonna say, are you floating the Brett Venables popular? Mm-hmm. Nope, nope. Mm. I'm thinking of Tony a diff- Elliott. I'm thinking of a different school within the state. Are you thinking coastal? Coastal Coop. Jamie Chadwell from Coastal. Yeah, Coastal. Oh, or Billy Napier from uh, Louisiana. That would also be a great hire. I love Billy Napier. I love Billy Napier for, as someone with Vanderbilt season tickets, he's the person I want. He would be, he's in my top, coach and I were talking about this the other day. He's in my top five choices of guys to be the next head coach at Vanderbilt. So you know what's going to happen? Vandy and South Carolina are just going to trade head coaches. (laughs) I mean, good luck with that, South Carolina. Welcome to, welcome to the Will Muschamp era of Vandy football. Uh, It can't be worse than the Derek Mason era. No, you're right. It can't be. It can't be. No. Dude's in his seventh season and has yet to have a winning season. <laughs> James yeah, no, Franklin. I, I, James Franklin had four winning seasons in five years. We we listened. I listened to you and Ryan. I I, I know I know what the deal is. And, and and you listened to uh, to us with Joe with Joe Townsend because that podcast was epic. Yeah, Joe. Joe did quite a bit of yelling. He did a lot of yelling. I've never had to use my uh, curse sensor bleep so many times. I, I counted it. I had to. I had to bleep out nineteen curses in that one. Wait, we're not allowed to curse. We're technically a clean show. I mean, you can show. You can curse. I just. I just beep it out. You. That is some f- bullshit. <laughs> Josh, I've dropped. Josh I've dropped some bullshit and some. Shit. Um, during during my <laughs> runs at the uh, Josh house, I want you yeah. I want you guys both to know you're both <laughs> who are going to need some serious reprimanding after this. 
listen to this mother I don't need any of you mother I'll I choke hope, a out. I just okay, hope, let's I talk just about hope, the Pac-12. I just hope I remember <laughs> that I have to do this entire section right here. It's just going to be You're one not. show. Just I, delete this entire section. This I, was beyond the pale. This was beyond the pale. Just uh, slap an E on it. <sighs> you dumb mother. Um, let, let's talk Jesus. about. Let's talk about. Josh, it's your fault. You were late, and I started drinking early. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, let's talk about the Pac-12. Uh, the Pac-12. Do we have to. Is it's it's so fucking weird. Okay. <laughs> So, first of all, <laughs> yeah, that was on you. Okay, yes, that one is on me. Are we playing <laughs> cursing chicken here? Because I'm, I'm down for this game. <laughs> we, we 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 may have to. I don't know how Aunt Sally feels about it, though. Um, you Please know. excuse my dear Aunt Sally. Yeah. Well, we're, we're, we we don't need any PEMDAS here. Okay, Oregon. They're the number eleven team in the country according to the AP. They, they didn't look it. They ain't playing like it. I mean, they needed to they needed to rally there in the fourth quarter to pull this one off. CJ Fredell is good, but Josh, I don't I, I don't trust this team. Yeah, I mean we talked about it before. There there were so many new faces in the Pac 12, whether it was coaches, uh coaching staffs, head coaches, uh new players. Oregon's in that. In that group, I mean, they lost our man, a bear, the NFL. And yeah, I mean, they ended up getting a, a nice game from Tyler show, but it, it took a little bit. I mean, they they were down 1914 at halftime. For a reason, and it's just not a finished product. I don't think any team in the Pac-12 I really trust. And how about my pick USC needing late game heroics yet again against mighty Arizona. Uh, if I'm going to take anything actually from this game, uh, Washington state. Hey, here's the theme of the pac 12, a team with a new coach Rolovich. Uh, we liked what he had done at Hawaii. Um, but what I like so far is their quarterback, Jaden Delara looking pretty good. 321 yards, two touchdowns against Oregon, uh, there's a young man to keep an eye on. Yeah, Washington State plays a pretty good brand of football. I like what Nick Rolovich has done so far. Still very much a work in progress. But the thing about the Pac-12 guys is they've had probably the funkiest offseason. They went from being completely off to, okay, we might play, and then, okay, we're going to play. And so just think about that mentally. Um you know, you're chilling, you're chilling, you're chilling, then you get that call, and you're like, oh, crap. We're back <laughs> well, on. So, you know, naturally, it's going to be ugly for some teams. There's going to be ugly for a lot of teams. It's going to be inconsistent. I think the most impressive thing... Expected. I think the most impressive thing was we, we figured out the chain of events that uh, UCLA needs for Chip Kelly to outcoach somebody that's... <laughs> two games need to be canceled have a reschedule for sunday at nine in the morning <laughs> <laughs> i mean you know what I, I was gonna bring that up next because first of all i'm not mad at sunday morning uh pack 12 it, it brings a new ring to pack 12 after dark it's pack 12 after dark and then after dawn the following day yeah, you know, when I want to watch some NFL it's action on Sunday, 
<laughs> when I want to watch some NFL action on Sunday, I like to have the appetizer of a uh, slugfest in which Cal was held to 176 total yards. So are, the game was so unwatchable. Is, so uh, is your Pac-12 over easy or scrambled <laughs> with cheese? Uh, it's smothered and covered. Mm. Nice. Nice. Which they don't even have Waffle House on the, in California, so I don't even know where I'm going with that one. Um, no, my, it is actually uh, it, it's Pac-12 at Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles is really what it is. That's true. Uh, yeah. But let's give uh, let's give some early. Yes, it's only two games and it's a two and zero start. So uh, let's not go too crazy. But Colorado, new head coach. Mm-hmm. There's the theme again. Carl Durrell, we're all kind of like... Uh, Carl Durrell, the ti- yeah. Uh, kicking the tires on him again? 2-0. What? 2-0. You know, nice road win at the farm. Um, pretty balanced offense so far. They're, they're, you know, leading rusher, 27 carries, 24 passing attempts by the quarterback. Some nice balance there. The buffs are surprising me a little bit. Yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta say, I was kind of surprised too. I think, you know, seeing what Stanford had been, they were pretty bad in the first half. Uh, fourth quarter, they kind of figured some things out, regained control, but um, too little, too late at that point. Colorado had kind of um, sealed the fate there, and 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 they held on, which which is impressive too, because Colorado. Um, I wouldn't have would have been surprised. Probably would have been like, yeah, it's Colorado, it's Carl Durrell, new staff, new whatever. Um, but you know, that just goes to show you that Mel Tucker actually did a pretty good job of recruiting there in Colorado. The, the cupboard is not bare. Um and, and they played, you know, they played really well together. I think there's I think they bought into Carl Durrell. Uh, I think they're you know, I think he's found a situation that so far, you know, I, I say this and Colorado will go, you know, two and six. On, on the season and not win another game and get blown out for the rest of the way. But uh, they're impressive at this point. And uh, I, I like what's going on in, uh, in Boulder as of right now. Uh, yeah. I got, a, I got some hot news over the wire for you guys. And Jerry Rice's son plays at Colorado. Our, uh, here's the By hot the news, breaking news, breaking news for you guys. Um, our Maction game. Finally ended. Ken State won 69 Nice. Um, nice. Yeah, I got some stats on. for you. Got some stats for you. Uh, Dustin Crum, quarterback for Kent State, 22 of 25, 348 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Um, got some running stats for you. Marquez Cooper, 14 carries, three touchdowns, 107 yards. Dustin Crum, 13 carries, 104 yards, two scores. Xavier Williams, 10 carries, 97 yards, one touchdown. Rushing, 51 carries, 390, six touchdowns. Uh, total yards, Kent State, 750 total yards. And uh, third down efficiency, uh, I'm not going to go through the Kent State record book, but this feels like it has to be a program record. 11 for 11 on third down, 37 total first downs. And they edged and they edged time of possession by one minute. (laughs) That's how fast they were scoring. Wow. They even found a way to have uh, eight penalties and two turnovers. (laughs) 
still do that. Good lord. Good old Maction. Akron, great job. <laughs> Akron, is it too early to anoint them Mac champions? <laughs> I don't know. I, I really don't know. We we really haven't talked much Mac yet so far in the show this season. Maybe we should sometime well, next week. It's unfortunate because the games are while we're recording this show. So it's like, how do we preview them and then how do we recap them? We don't. We don't. <laughs> Did you know LaVisca Chenault's brother is still at Colorado? I didn't even know that LaVisca had a brother. He does. And he's good. <laughs> is he? Maybe not as good as his brother yet, but he's good. And Jerry Rice's son plays at Colorado. Well, here's all I need to know about the Mac for you guys, since you're curious. It's the Mid-American Conference. Boom. There you go. Kent State has won seven games in a row. They're 2-0 and on this year, and they've hit 60-plus both games. Lance Leopold's Buffalo team, also 2-0 and and looking really good. The uh, They seem like the two uh, rabbits so far that are out ahead of the pack. Western Michigan, Central Michigan, also 2-0. and There you go. I just broke down the Mac for you. And what? Akron's awful. Well, they need to learn how to tackle. Yes. Yes, they do. Are we going to even spend two, two seconds on USC <laughs> needing to pull another? That was game out That of was just bus. bad. That was just bad. <laughs> that was just unenjoyable football to watch. I did not care about it at in the least. It didn't seem like either team wanted to win that game. No, they both wanted to lose, quite frankly. Can I ask a mildly embarrassing question? Mm-hmm. But I don't feel like Googling it, so I'll just mm-hmm. ask it. Probably not a good thing for a football podcaster to to ask on air, but is Kevin Sufflin still Arizona's coach? Yes. <laughs> okay. Somehow. Some way. <laughs> I didn't know if that had been one of those like fireies that I had just kind of forgotten about. <laughs> Well, I wouldn't blame you for forgetting about it. It's Arizona football. I mean, I don't think we have many Bearcats in, in, uh, in the audience. The, the only the only Bearcats we have are probably the Cincinnati, the Cincinnati variety. Well, I think they're Wildcats at Arizona anyway. That that shows how much. Um, then why do they have Bear Down? That's like their team slogan. Weird. It's you know, it's like Auburn with like War Eagle. Bear Down's like a team slogan that they had. I think it's like win one for the Gipper, too. I think they had someone like dying of cancer who was like, bear down. Oh, I thought it was someone who got killed by a bear. No. No. Or like they killed a bear or something. I don't know. They killed a bear with a trident. Lord. Oh, Lord. Okay. Um, well, fine. the last thing I want to talk about, though, was uh, Marshall. Marshall won. You know, we don't talk a ton about Marshall. They're ranked there we the- go. I nailed it. Oh, man. God, I'm brilliant. Uh, John is the head coach. John P. Salmon. Uh, salmon, was, like something that bears eat salmon. Yeah. Uh, salmon and two others were involved in an automobile accident. They flipped their car over a ravine. Uh, Salmon's friends were not 
injured, but Salmon suffered a severe spinal cord injury. In the aftermath of the accident, football coach Pop McHale visited him at the hospital. During McHale's last visit, Salmon's last message to his teammates was, tell them, tell them to bear down. And then he passed away in 1926. So it wasn't cancer, but I was right. It's their win one for a Gipper moment. Um, thank you. <laughs> well Signing done, off. sir. <laughs> Over and out. See you later, Josh. Bye, Josh. <laughs> Have a good one. Thanks for your service. <laughs> I just leave and never come back. <laughs> I mean, after that, you probably should. <laughs> I never appear on another show again. Man, after that bear down anecdote. That was his mic drop moment. <laughs> he rode off into the sunset. <laughs> then flipped his car over a ravine. <laughs> While reading his book about intercontinental mass murder. <laughs> God, we are we are some of the strangest people I've ever known. Yeah, who listens to this show? Seriously. I think it's Aunt Patty and no one else. It's not Aunt, no, Aunt Patty. Aunt Patty's my mother. My, my, and, <laughs> and the answer is... Yeah, it's, it's Aunt Sally, first of all. We know it's Aunt, Aunt Sally and your friend Mitch. It's Aunt Sally, Mitch, and my dad, Fred. And I mean, Mitch just fast forwards to the Arkansas parts and then stops after the, we talk about Arkansas. Um, and then me. <laughs> Somehow. I try not to do it while I'm driving, though, sometimes. Oh, Lord. I don't want to flip my car into a ravine. Yeah. Well, do your uh, best not to. Uh, speaking of tragic accidents, uh, <laughs> oh, oh, come on, come on! It's been fifty years. Um, on the fiftieth anniversary of what is, without a doubt, the one of the darkest moments in the history of college football, the Marshall Thundering Herd had a resounding resounding win over the hapless middle tennessee state blue raiders 42 to 14 not only did they win but it was the anniversary of obviously 50th anniversary of the plane that went down carrying the entirety of the 1970 marshall football team it was at home it was an emotional game there was a big college game day segment on it obviously uh and guys, don't look now. Doc Holliday yet again has Marshall at seven and zero. Josh. Yeah, I mean he's just a machine. He's one of the best coaches that probably a lot of people have never heard of. And if they're wondering, uh, ooh, is he gonna coach anywhere else anytime soon? Nope. Uh, he, he, he's surprisingly old. Um, he's not a young man. He's sixty three. It would be a little surprising for him to to leave Marshall after such a, you know, amazing career over these last 10 years that he's been at Marshall. Um, it, he's just an incredible coach. And what I really like is the freshman quarterback, young Mr. Grant Wells just is improving every week. Um, at the start of the season, when they blew out Eastern Kentucky, he had 300 yards and four touchdowns. And I was like, it's Eastern Kentucky. Let's see what he does. I watched that App State game. I watched every snap of that game. They won with him not contributing anything. 11 of 2,563 yards. My takeaway was, man, Marshall's a really good team. 
that if they had a quarterback, they could be a really special team. Not great against Western Kentucky either, but since that Western Kentucky game, he's just improved every week. Uh, played really well against Louisiana Tech. Played really well against Florida Atlantic. Uh, Massachusetts, he just shredded them. And then this Middle Tennessee State game uh, is his best game yet with 336 yards and five touchdowns. I mean, Doc Holliday with a great quarterback. Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> conference has to be beyond pissed. They're like, what, what can we do to beat this Marshall team? And it's quite frankly hard to see what you can do to beat them. Oh, I know. It's, yeah, it's, and, it's crazy. And it, it doesn't it certainly doesn't hurt when special teams makes early plays to gain momentum. Like, on a punt that was that bounced like four times and the guy just probably should have let it go. He, he tried to field it and got clobbered and um, Marshall was recovered it inside the 10 yard line. So it just, I don't know, like Marshall continues to impress me in different ways. I mean, freshman quarterback, you know, it's going to be a rough season, right? Wrong. Seven and oh, um, you know, all the problems that they had, they, you know, they struggled. I felt like early in the season they struggled to score, but they were still pulling out games. Defense carried them. Now they're starting to figure things out offensively. Now they're starting to light up the scoreboard. Starting to, they win different ways, and and that's a well coached team. They win in special teams. They they win by making defensive plays, and now they're start now their offense is starting to ignite, and and you, you love to see it, and and that's what you know that's what I've been impressed with Marshall uh, the most. You know they they've been a team that's just steadily improved defense is carried him most of the way and defense still you know that's not to say defense isn't performing they are most definitely performing so and uh, on a side note these black uniforms are awesome just so you know yeah they're they're pretty sweet they're pretty sweet uh finally in one of the bigger upsets uh over the week at least in, in my mind um SMU has uh has fallen to Tulsa. Uh Tulsa is sneakily 4 and 1 and was able to beat SMU 28 to 24 and really keep Shane Bouchelle in check in this one. O- only throwing for 200 yards, 50% completion. He was not himself here. On the flip side, Zach Smith, the Tulsa quarterback, uh was doing his best Shane Bouchelle impression. 325 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, Josh, this was a, a bit of a shock to me. Yeah, and I mean, the, the Tulsa defense was absolutely phenomenal. They pitched a second-half shutout. This game felt like it was slipping away. It was 24-7 at halftime, and you're like, oh, here go the ponies again. They're just going to romp. And I don't know what Tulsa did in the locker room, but uh, they came out and played phenomenal defense. Uh, chipped away at that lead slowly but surely and then eventually won the game and you said it best man i mean four and one on the season beat central florida beat smu um maybe they're the teams that'll spoil cincinnati season if they somehow get their way to the title game yeah that would be that would really be something i mean cincinnati definitely is the cream of the crop in the american but after that, it's kind of a free for all in a lot of ways. You know, f- frankly, I'm I'm really at this point, I'm not sure who the second best team in the American is. Any given week, it could be 
UCF, it could be Tulsa, it could be SMU, it could, could be, be Memphis. Memphis, it could be Houston. I mean, like you. I think ne- ultimately, I think ultimately, it's UCF. I, I think that they would, you know, I, I think in a pressure situation, big game situation, I, I think they're they're beating Tulsa. I think they're beating SMU. I think they're beating Memphis. So, all right, guys. I, and and a lot of that's due to just Dylan Gabriel. I think he's, you know, he is what he is. Yeah, I mean Dylan Gabriel can definitely put up some big numbers. All right, guys. So well, I think that's going to do it for us here today on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. I had one teeny tiny thing. Sorry to spoil it. Just one teeny tiny thing I wanted to do. Quick shout out. Mountain West is under underway. San Jose State. Mm. They hired. Uh, Back in 2017, Brett Brennan. Mm. And all of us were like, huh? What? This mm-hmm. is a guy who was a res- wide receiver coach? Like, wh- huh? He's going to now run a program? 2-11 and 11 his first year. 1-11 and 11 his second year. Last season, 5-7. and seven. Quietly turned some things around, played a lot better football. They are now four and zero on the young season, including most impressively, a win over San Diego State. This is a a story to keep an eye on. In a couple weeks, they get Boise State. What if they upset Boise? Wow, I, I, I'm very intrigued by the Spartans. Guys, we could be headed for a San Jose State Nevada. Mountain West title Ooh, game. Just like we drew it up. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. they're the last two undefeated teams in the conference. They're both 4-0. Let's, well, let's to be fair, to be fair, Boise's loss didn't impact their Mountain West race. True. They only lost to BYU, but they've still lost. Yeah. So, well, just like they drew it up. Okay, that's going to do it for us here on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. So, on behalf of our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton, in the Music City, and our intrepid blogger from Big Ten Coning, Josh Cook, up there in the Windy City, this is the professor in Nashville saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.